And so I mentioned a few weeks ago that we're going to be spending September looking at our vision and values as a church. And many of you will know that our vision passage for the year is taken from Acts 2, 42, which says all believers devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching, to the fellowship, sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And that passage still stands. That passage still remains and is our covering for 2023. And you know, I'm so pleased and we as a leadership are just overjoyed by how all of you have kind of bought in and caught hold of that vision and are running with it. And we're seeing growth, we're seeing development, we're seeing improvement in a whole bunch of areas um, kind of caught up in that vision passage for the year. But that is not what we're talking about um, in this series. What we're looking at is uh, the overarching vision and values for Hope Church Lytham. And in 2020, it was Ruth and I stepped into leading this church um, and we shared at that time what we felt God had put on our hearts as kind of the, the way forward, the, uh, the heart, the mindset, the, the idea, the vision and the values for what we felt God was saying encompassed Hope Church Lytham for the foreseeable future. And we shared some of that. And I thought that it would be great to just kind of go over um, that again, particularly because a lot of you weren't even here in 2020 as part of this church. And so it might be brand new to you. Um, and for those of you who were here, it's always good to kind of remind our, ourselves and just be kind of brought back to um, who it is that God is calling us to be as a local church. Because this, this vision statement, the set of core values, essentially are everything that, you know, if we want to launch a new mission, we check it against the values. If we want to launch a new project, we bring it back and make sure that it sits in line with what God shared to Ruth and I in 2020 to make sure it, it comes under and, and suits and fits with the vision and values of this house. And so we're going to be going through that over the next few weeks. And I've titled this series, This Is Us. This Is Us. And so let me just read to you or say, share with you our vision statement, which is very simple. Love God, love people. It is not groundbreaking. It is not hard to remember. Love God, love people. Do you know, I think we can often be guilty of overcomplicating things sometimes. And so we felt, let's just keep it easy. Let's just keep it simple. Love God and love people. In Matthew 22, it says this. Uh, a guy is asking Jesus a question. He says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. And so if Jesus says that these are the two most important things for us, then we're going to listen to that and we're going to pay attention to that, to love God and to love others. And so we've stamped that as our very simple, very easy to remember stake in the ground that says this is who we are. This is how we will live. This is what we will do in our lives. And so everything that we say, everything that we do should be showing love to God and should be showing love to those around us. And then out of that very simple vision statement came a set of five core values that essentially would help us to live out that statement, to help us to, to put that into practice. 
And so these are the things that make us who we are. This is the heartbeat of our church. And they're things that help us to, to be more like Jesus and to help us see his kingdom power come and move in this place and in this community and beyond. And so our five core values uh, are these. Pursuing the heart of God. We will be a church that pursues the heart of God. We'll be a church that helps people to find their God-given purpose. We're a church that will bring hope to our community. We will restore the brokenhearted and we will create a culture of generosity. And so those are our five core values and they might not stick in your head today, but we're going to be digging into them deeper over the coming weeks. And so hopefully they will kind of settle in your heart and in your spirit and you will join us in living these out through uh, our lives as we, uh, as we work in this church. And so we're going to be going over those in the next few weeks. But today, I just want to focus on that vision statement to love God and to love people. And the reality is this isn't a vision statement just for Hope Church Lytham. This is a vision statement for everyone who calls themselves a Christian, for everyone who has invited the Lord Jesus into their lives as Lord and Saviour and declares him as King. This is your vision statement, to love God and to love people. Because Jesus said these are the greatest commandments. And if you do these two things, then you will be living well. You will be living right. You will be living according to his plan and his purpose. And so let's just break these down. First and foremost, to love God. And the command here that Jesus gives is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It's something that flows from the very core of who we are. And it's out of every single part of our being. This isn't just something that is on a Saturday. This isn't just in our worship. This isn't just in our words. It's a command to love God with everything that we are. Heart, soul, and mind. It's our thoughts. It's in our words. It's in our actions. Everything that we think, everything that we say, everything that we do should be showing love to God. You know, we can't show love to God just with our words and then not demonstrate it with our actions. We can't just love God in our mind, but then not show him love through the way in which we live. It doesn't work. This, it's not something that you can kind of just do in part. If we're going to love God, we've got to do it with every fiber of our being, heart, soul, and mind. It's kind of an all or nothing situation. We either love God or we don't. We either love him with every bit of us or we're not really truly loving him at all. It's a challenging command. It might be simple, but it's actually quite challenging. In John 15, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And the NIV translation says that your joy may be complete. 
There's something in this that actually we were created to love God. And that when we live this out, when our lives demonstrate our love for him, we become complete. It's something that kind of clicks into place so that we become the very people that we were created to be. If we're not living this principle out, if we are not loving God with everything that we are, with everything that we say, with everything that we think, with everything that we do, we are not the men and the women we were created to be. We were called to love God. King David, he was a man after God's own heart. What a statement that is to be made about someone. A man after God's own heart. He knew what it was to live out this principle of loving God. And God saw that in him. And that's amazing. And I hope and pray that each and every one of us can live our lives in such a way that God would look at us and say, you're a person after my own heart. That's certainly who I want to be. That's the person that I want to be. And so he really knew what it looked like to love God. And in Psalm 63, he wrote these words. He said, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there's no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and I have gazed upon your power and your glory. I love those words that he is longing for God, that he he can't get enough of God, that he's got this insatiable desire for his God. I love you so much that I just want to soak it up. I want to keep on being in your presence. I want to keep on hanging out with you, doing life with you, speaking to you, hearing from you so that I can get more of you. He's got a glimpse. It says, I've seen you in your sanctuary. I've gazed upon your power and your glory. He's got this glimpse of God and he's like, I want more of that. I want more of that. Everything within him longed for more of God. And that is the essence of what it is to love God. That everything within us yearns for more of him. That we just long to be in his presence and to be satisfied in him. To be satisfied in him, not in his gifts, not in his blessings, not in what he can do for us, but to be satisfied in him, in who he is, in the person of God, creator, king of kings, lord of lords, the alpha and the omega, all loving, ever present, all knowing. This is our God and it's in him that we should be satisfied. Not in what he can do for us, but in who he is. And to love God means obeying his commands. To love God means to obey his commands, not just when it suits us, not just when it fits in with our lifestyles, But all the time, all the time, every moment of every day that we would obey his commands. To love God means to spend time in his word. 
to want to read this word that he has given to us and to believe it and to put it into action in our lives. To love God means to give him your first and to give him your best. Not to just leave the dregs for him, not to just expend all of your energy on work and on play and then see what is left over that you can give to him at the end of the day. But to give him your first, to give him your best. That is what it looks like to love God. And the truth is that when we love God in such a way, we will receive his blessings and we will receive his gifts, but they are a byproduct of loving God and not our focus. If the reason that you are demonstrating your love to God is so you can get from him, then we are not loving God. We are loving his provision And that's great, but we're not loving him. We're not loving his character. We're not loving his nature. And so we need to get to a place where we are satisfied in him, where we can love him. If we only show God love out of a sense of duty, because we, we hear it preached on a Sunday and so we think that's the right thing to do and so we do it, then we're not really loving God. Because if we're really loving God, it will come out of a desire to want to. You know, we don't have to love God. We get to love God. We get to It's a privilege that we can be in his presence, that we can pursue him, that we can read his word, that we can pray to him and have conversations with him. We get to do this. And so if you feel like you have to do this, then you're not doing it right. But if you recognize that you get to do this, that's when he sees your love. That's when he can look at you and say, you are a man, you are a woman after my own heart. The essence of loving God is admiring and enjoying all that he is. All that he is. It's about relishing time in his presence. It's about gazing on his beauty. Like David said, I've got this glimpse of your power and of your beauty. You know, this worship this morning We missed one Sunday from church and it's just like coming back into this place of corporate worship is just, it's just, it's so beautiful. You sound great. (laughs) And we join with the angels singing his praise and worshiping him and it's, we get to do this. What a privilege. What a privilege it is that we get to praise him and we get to worship him. Do you know this morning in the shower, I was singing that audacious song. And who knows when you sing in the shower, you sound amazing. Yeah, and I was hitting all the right notes. But God and just that desire and that passion to be in his presence and to give him the honor and the glory that he deserves. We get to do this. We get to love God. And there's this journey that we go on that begins with loving God and pursuing his heart to then discovering who we are and who he's made us to be and what he put us on this earth for. And then we begin to put that into action through loving other people. 
And so first and foremost, we love God. We seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then out of that comes this natural overflow within us that pours out into other people. Love God, love others. You know, the most loving thing that we can do for other people is to love God more than we love them. If we love God most, then we'll be loving others best. If we love love God most, we'll be loving others best. It almost sounds a little bit backwards, but when you encounter the living and the loving God and you begin to understand the depths of his love for you and that the distance that his grace went for you, as we were reminded this morning through sharing communion, when we truly grasp hold of that, we'll find that his love flows out of us into those around us. And it's an unconditional love. And it's a sacrificial love. You know, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians 13 that is is often read at weddings. In fact, I remember one of my best friends from university, he asked me to read a portion of scripture. And, you know, he's kind of dipped in and out of faith. And he said, what would you read? And so I said, oh, well, let's read this portion of scripture. It's all about love. And I remember we were in quite an old-fashioned church in in a little country village. And I got up to the pulpit, proper pulpit, and stood up in the, you know, in the, in the wings and, and begin to read this passage. And then we're hearing this noise through the speaker system. I'm like, what is that noise? Why has someone got their phone on during this important sharing of the word of God? It was my phone. <laughs> and what I should have done in hindsight is just paused it and said, I'm sorry, that is me, and turned my phone off because it's so important to hear this passage, but I didn't. I just pressed on thinking, who is that? What is going on this morning? My phone is not going to interfere, and I am going to read this passage, and we're going to pay attention to what it says. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul writes this. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I'd only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I'd be nothing. If I gave everything that I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I'd have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance just take a moment and let that sink in just think for a minute about your spouse or your kids or your family or your best friend in the context of that passage and ask yourself am I patient with them
do I get irritable with them sometimes? Do I maybe remember things that they've done wrong and bring them out at opportune moments when we're in the heat of an argument? And then think about people who you're not even that close to, your colleagues, your classmates, the person who's serving you at the checkout or the stranger down your street or your next door neighbour. Am I loving them in line with this passage of scripture? It's a real challenge, isn't it? It's a real challenge to love in this way, but that is what God is saying, the definition of love. American evangelist D.L. Moody wrote regarding that passage, he said this, it seemed to me that I had never heard anything so beautiful. And the one great need in our Christian life is love. More love to God and to each other. What that we could all move into that love chapter and live there. Imagine a world where we actually loved like that passage is speaking. That we actually loved like that all the time. How incredible would life be if we could match up to that definition of love? But what D.L. Moody was commenting and what the Apostle Paul was putting across to the Corinthians is that this is the essence of love. And he's pointing us to the source. He's pointing us to Jesus, the very embodiment of this passage. That he loved in this way. That his life reflected this definition of love. And Paul continues in verse 13. He says, three things will last forever. Faith and hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And why is that the greatest? Because God is love. God is love. And so the reason that we will love others best when we love God the most is that love in its truest and purest form comes only from God because God is love. In 1 John chapter 4, we read this, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Love is at the very core of God. God is love, and we're only able to love him and anyone else because he first loved us. God first loved us. You know, God showed us the greatest act of love we could ever experience when he sent his son to die for us. For God so loved the world, it says, that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He demonstrated love. He showed us how we should be loving. 
There is no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. There is no greater love. And he didn't just say those words, he lived those words. He came. He died for us. He laid down his life for us. The author of love, the perfecter of love. Love stepped down. Love came down to this fallen and hurting and broken world and lived out this beautiful act of love to redeem us and to give us new life. And so, if we truly grasp hold of that truth, our natural response, our only response should be to love him, to love him, to show that love to him and to those around us. In 1 John 4, it says, If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And so we're kidding ourselves if we think that we can love God but not show love to our neighbour, but not show love to the person down the street, but not show love to the person who has wronged us or hurt us or caused us pain. If we don't show them love, then how can we say we love God? Because we can see them, he says. The two things go hand in hand. When we know and love God and know who God created us to be, there is this overflowing of his love to those around us. It comes naturally. And so these two principles of loving God and loving people Go hand in hand. You cannot have one without the other, as that scripture says. You can't not love people, but love God. Because God is love, and everything that he does encompasses love. And so our lives should be showing love to God and showing love to other people. Because we love people out of a place of knowing God and knowing his love for us. When we truly have this revelation moment of the person of Jesus Christ, of the act of love that he did for us when he died on that cross, when we recognize that God created each and every one of us perfectly, filled with purpose, when we grasp hold of that truth, when we know that he shaped each and every one of us with the loving care of a father, then we will be filled with that love and it will pour out of us into those around us. As we focus our attention on God and we discover just the magnitude of his love, we then become selfless in the way we live our lives. Because this world preaches, sort yourself out first and then help other people. You know, on the plane, they give you that speech, don't they, about when the, the thing drops down. Make sure you've got yourself sorted out before you save other people. But that's not God's way. 
I'm not saying if you're in an accident on a plane, don't sort yourself out. Listen to what the stewards are telling you. But what God is saying is that in this life, we should not be seeking first me, myself, and I. We should not be putting ourselves above those around us. What we should be doing is following the example of Jesus and putting others first, making sure that we can help them in whatever way possible. Because God has filled each and every one of you with skills and abilities and passions that will enable you to help your neighbor in one way or another. And if you look after them first, God will look after you. He's got your back. He knows what you need. You don't need to be focusing on you. You need to be loving God first and then other people. And then you can think about yourself. But you won't have to, because God will sort that out for you. You know, we need to be fixing our minds on building others up rather than serving ourselves. We need to become outward focused in the way that we love and the way that we serve the people around us and those in church and those in our community. You know, I really believe that the way in which we love others, including other believers, reveals how we love God. How you love other people reveals how you love God. If you're putting other people above yourself, then you've got it. You're you're recognizing the way in which Jesus loves you. If you are loving people unconditionally, with forgiveness, with grace, with mercy. You're demonstrating your love for God through that. And so how did Jesus live out this principle? Because everything that we speak from the platform should fall in line with the way that Jesus lived out his life because he was the perfect example for that. How did he live out this principle of loving other people as we love ourselves? Or as he puts it in John 13, to love each other as he has loved us. Well, as you read the Gospels, as you read the the Jesus story, we will see time and time and time again that Jesus' love was radical. That it was selfless. That it was unconditional. That it was compassionate. That it was forgiving. You know, through the way that he loved, he broke down barriers of culture, of society, of race, of class. That he went above and beyond the expectations of what the world would expect. That he went out of his way to love the marginalized and the oppressed. That is the demonstration of love that Jesus gave to us as we read the Gospels. And so we should be looking at his life and thinking, what can I change in my own life to become more like him? Because that's this journey that we're on, to become more and more like Jesus until he comes again and redeems us to heaven and we become like him. And so as we look at the life of Jesus and the way that he loved those around him, we should be loving others the same way. We should be loving others the same way. And the truth is, it seems like an impossible task. 
You know, when we refer back to that passage in 1 Corinthians 13 and we look at the definition of love and everything that it encompasses and we hear this word that says that is how we should be loving our neighbor, our friends, our families or those people that cause us hurt and pain. That is how we should be doing this. How on earth am I going to do this? And that's the truth because in our own strength, on our own, we will never be able to do this. It is an impossible task for you and for me without God. But the amazing promise that came in Scripture, after Jesus had died and rose again, he said, I'm not going to leave you on your own. I'm going back to be with my Father, but I'm going to send a helper. I'm going to send my Spirit to be with you to live in you, to equip you and empower you to live out this kind of love attitude that I am calling you to. We can't do it on our own, but we don't have to. We can do it with the power of the Spirit at work, living within each and every one of us. And so we show this kind of love through our actions when we humble ourselves, when we become selfless, when we serve others without regard for our own needs. We love other people in the way that Jesus did by sharing the gospel, by telling people the good news of Jesus, by not keeping it to ourselves, but getting out there into our sphere of influence and letting people know there is a God, there is a man called Jesus who loves you more than you will ever know and he wants to be your friend, he wants to save you, he wants to redeem you. If we want to love our neighbours in the way that Jesus loves us, we've got to tell them about him. We've got to tell them about him. And we show Jesus' love to others by bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Because Jesus says that we will be known by our fruit. And so the Spirit is living and at work within each and every one of us, trying to bring forth this fruit that he has for us to demonstrate to those around us the person of Jesus Christ. And so when we show people that kind of love, when we love like Jesus loved, then they will know that we are his followers. They'll know it because we'll look different and we'll sound different and we'll act different and we'll love different. Because the world preaches one thing, but the Bible teaches a whole other thing. That this lifestyle of Jesus is countercultural. It was then and it still is today. And so let's just bring this back to the context of us here at Hope Church Lytham with this vision statement that says, Love God, love people. That actually loving other people in the context of this church can look like a whole bunch of stuff. It can look like the person on the door who welcomes you and greets you with a smile. It can look like preparing and and running with uh, curriculum for our kids' work. 
It can look like being part of a team who gathers together to pray for this church and for our community. It can look like cleaning or doing admin work. It can look like praising on the platform or overseeing projects that are at work in our community. It can look like a whole bunch of stuff. The list is endless. And the truth is that each and every role is is unique and is just as important as the next. But we're called to love God and we're called to love other people. And and God has equipped us and empowered each and every one of us to enable a movement that reaches not only this group of people within these four walls, but the community that is out there in Lytham, St. Anne's, the Fylde and beyond. That is how we, Hope Church Lytham, can love other people. That God has actually called us to be a church that is needed in our community. That if we were to be removed from Lytham, that there would be a gap, that there would be needs that are no longer being met because we are fulfilling the purpose that he has placed us here for to such an extent that if we were wiped out or removed or shut down, that there would be a gap, that there would be a loss in our community. We've been appointed to go and to bear fruit and to bring hope and to restore our community. But we'll look at that in a few weeks' time. We'll dig dig into those in the next few weeks. But for now, our vision and our mission and our calling is simply this, to love God and to love people. So I want to just encourage you as we close to just be asking yourselves this week, How can I love God more? What can I change in my life this week that will enable me and allow me to love God more? None of us have made it. None of us are perfect. Not one of us in this room is loving God to the full extent that we can. And so let's be just looking inside of ourselves. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you ways in which you can love God more this week. And then ask yourself, how can I go out of my way to love someone else this week? To go out of your way. You know, there was a cost to Jesus when he made his sacrifice. And so I believe there should be a cost to us when it comes to loving and serving other people. So how can we go out of our way this week to demonstrate that radical, unconditional, forgiving, beautiful, perfect love of Jesus to someone else this week? What can I do? So before we sing our final song, we're just going to take a few minutes in silence and and let's just look into ourselves. Let's just invite the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal to us what we can change, what we can do this week.